Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 37, Lust, part 9 of our Virtues and Vices series, recorded Thursday, March 6th of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. Silence yet again. Silence yet again, <laughs> yes. So. Do we have any actual news? Uh, yes, I do. My copy of Sojourn arrives tomorrow and I cannot wait. You're actually going to get yours faster than I do, and I'm in it. Yes. I don't know how. Amazon kind of did a bait and switch on me, and the book I ordered with it is coming next week. I don't understand how, because they told me Sojourn was going to ship more slowly. Go figure. Huh. Yeah. Also, they said, you know what? We've broken your shipment into two packages, because there's going to be a delay in shipping it. And yeah, we've shipped both within three hours of each other. Okay. So Amazon's idea of a delay would just be business as usual for any other shipping company? That or they just had a weird hiccup and their system processed it strangely i don't know could be either actually anyway so i'm looking forward to that and when i actually get to meet you in person at some point i'll have you sign up i will be happy to at that point <laughs> good hopefully sooner rather than later although sadly it doesn't sound like it's going to be at fear of the con this year no i've had to rule out fear of the con oh well <laughs> you know i have a strict no soundboard rule <laughs> <laughs> i didn't use a soundboard that was my voice i know <laughs> Brandon, you're going to back me up on this, right? I can do sad trombone without resorting to a soundboard. Yeah, you can. I think he's going to back me up on the no soundboard rule, too. Though. <laughs> I just want to remind everybody, we've got our social media that you should all be subscribing to and sharing around, and yada, 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 Facebook, Saving the Game, etc., all of which is available on our website, savingthegamepodcast.org. And a quick reminder, too, that I'm putting up old episodes kind of on off Tuesdays, so keep an eye out for those. Depending on how you are using or RSS feed, and through what Feedly, for example, you'll have to kind of manually do some refreshing, or potentially you have to, to get those old episodes to show up. Keep an eye out for those. They're out there. This is our continuation of our Virtues and Vices series. You thought we weren't going to come back around to this, didn't you? <laughs> you can find the whole thing if you go to savingthegamepodcast.org, and if you go down and find under our categories list, Virtues and Vices, you'll be able to find all the episodes that are posted in the series. Yes. And the ones that aren't posted are probably on the Hidden Archives. They're on the Hidden Archive page and will be added as time permits and... Bandwidth allows. Yeah, pretty much. During off weeks. If you're not familiar with the series, this is where we're going through the seven heavenly virtues and the seven deadly sins, starting with a particular sin and then contrasting it with its contrary virtue. For this episode in particular, though, we're talking about lust, which is one of those that's just sort of inherently prurient so we're gonna try and stick to our usual clean rating but please know your own limits and please know the limits of those that are within earshot too yeah if there are words you don't want your elementary school kid repeating you probably don't want to listen to this in the car or have questions that you want them to be asking you just yet. yes awkward questions will abound i have that in the outline in big letters for a reason okay i'm pretty sure that we won't be using many of those words because, right you but know. the subject as a whole is one of those that <laughs> could very e yes thank peter you peter just increased the font to 24 and bolded it so big yeah billboard letters here but while we're going to try and keep our language as clean as we can and not directly address really 
explicit topics. We're not going to be graphic here, but just so you're aware, yeah. the material is going to be a little bit more adult than what often gets covered in a Saving the Game episode. So just yeah. listen with that in mind. Yes, indeed. And with that note, on to scripture. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so there's one really obvious piece of the Old Testament that we wanted to bring up, but it turns out two whole chapters of the book of Samuel is a little too long even for us. So the story of David and Bathsheba is very relevant to this episode, Second Samuel chapters 11 to 12. I would recommend taking a little time and read it on your own and think about it and consider it. It's probably the preeminent example of lust and adultery in the Old Testament and just how horribly wrong it can yes, make yes. your life, basically. Yeah, and what it can do to people and to other people. So read it, meditate on it, pray on it. We're not going to read it here, but keep it in mind. So we wanted to start with Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30. You have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, and our second passage is Proverbs 6, verses 27 through 29. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. And the last is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anyone. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with her? For, as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So our topic tonight is lust, which is the most carnal, as it were, of the seven deadly sins. And defining... Lust is surprisingly simple. It's an inordinate craving for sexual stimulation and gratification. It's not necessarily limited to physical actions. See Christ's comments that Brandon read from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's not really to be confused with impropriety. Propriety is just what words and dress and topics are acceptable in a particular culture at a particular time. Just to clarify, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, while the rule of chastity is the same for all Christians at all times, the rule of propriety changes. A girl in the Pacific Islands wearing hardly any clothes and a Victorian lady completely covered in clothes might both be equally modest, proper, or decent according to the standards of their own societies. 
and both, for all we could tell by their dress, might be equally chaste or equally unchaste. As a temporal example, if you go back to like the Old West, even in Arizona, shorts would have just been scandalous. Now, pff, normal clothing. If not <laughs> considerable longer clothing than what some people are wearing nowadays. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. The lust is all about the want, the craving. You can compare it in some ways to gluttony, a desire to consume, a desire to feel, but instead of food or other physical pleasures, it's specifically sensual, sexual pleasure. That's kind of our definition that we're going to be working with as we go through this episode. The question then becomes, why is lust a mortal capital sin? And like all capital sins, lust is the root cause of a lot of other sins, many of which harm not only the sinner, but others around the sinner. And this is why we kind of gave you guys the uh, tale of David and Bathsheba's homework. Right. Because <laughs> lust leads to murder in that <laughs> story. It leads to murder. It leads to Abuse, abuse of, of power, power it leads to a child conceived out of wedlock all sorts of things that are just ridiculous and terrible i've remembered a statistic somewhere that talks about if a husband is murdered it's most often either his mistress or his wife that kills him or if there are three people involved in an affair then it's most likely that one of them is going to end up knocked off yeah so it's not just in the bible this happens nowadays Oh, sure. Man gets stabbed or woman gets killed. Or... Most infidelity doesn't end in murder. It just ends in horrible things like broken families and, you know, right, irreparable yeah. emotional damage and stuff. Yeah, but it's amazing how many first and second degree murders are related to adultery. Oh, yeah. Oh. Tons. My wife and her mother are big fans of forensics TV shows, cold case and things like that. And I swear that's like 90% of the show. Is, oh, you know, it's because of this, it's because of this. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's just, you know what? I just can't stand this person anymore. Sometimes it's a hate crime of some sort, but it seems like 90% of the time it's, nope, someone so was having an affair and decided one party or the other needed to go. Sometimes it's not even the person who is guilty of the sin that bears the brunt of it. Oh, yeah. I killed my husband so I could be with my lover. Yeah. Killed my wife so that me and my mistress could run away. Yeah, exactly. Lust is a capital sin because it causes so much other physical and spiritual harm. Triggers all of these other sins. Spiritually, the thing about lust is that it's distracting. We're asked to pray without ceasing, to keep our minds constantly seeking God and focused on God. Lust distracts us from that. We focus on the flesh of this world instead. You know, whether that's glancing at someone on the street or porn or strip clubs or what have you, it's distracting. And unchecked, it leads to thinking of other people only in sexual terms, especially thinking of the other sex only in sexual terms. How many times have you encountered some bro who's only looking at women in terms of how attractive they are or whether they're willing to sleep with them. There's too many of those around here, I'll tell you. I haven't met many in person, but I've certainly seen the trail that they leave around the internet. Yeah, yeah, that too. There are parts of Reddit that I just don't go into uh, for exactly that reason. And it leads to thinking of people just as people to use as things, some way to sate that desire, rather than thinking of them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's 
inherently harmful. Yeah, I think that's about as definitional as we need to get. Right. Do yeah. you guys have anything else that you wanted to throw into this particular pile? In a weird way, this is one that I'm having a hard time relating to, not because... I'm immune to the vagaries of lust, but just... It's very cut and dried. It is kind of cut and dried, and it's something that I don't struggle with, necessarily. And I don't know whether that's because I'm not fighting it hard enough, or it's just for some reason not really a temptation for me. I'll probably find out at some point, but... Well, I'll admit lust is probably the single sin that I struggle the most with. If only because lust is so pervasive in our culture today it can be distracting and it can be all your focus it's a marketing tool it is it is also considered the norm for kids to be involved in sexual activity at younger and younger ages which is not the most comforting thing in the world to think about i was just going to say there's another piece of mere christianity the same chapter on sexual morality that i quoted earlier There are people who want to keep our sex instinct inflamed in order to make money out of us because, of course, a man with an obsession is a man who has very little sales resistance. There's a lot of truth in that. It's Sex sells. The idea that sex sells, sells more than sex. And it sells to men and women. Oh, sure. In C.S. Lewis's writings, he's writing in the 50s. There's a certain paternalism, but it definitely appeals to everybody. I know my mom reads Nora Roberts books, which are bodice ripper yeah, <laughs> which, trust me, as somebody who works in a bookstore, is not nearly as seedy as that section. Oh, yeah, yet. I know. I got a friend who works in a used bookstore, and they actually had to shred their entire stock of romance novels, which takes up a wall and a half in the biggest used bookstore in Greenville, just to make room for all of the romance novels they had in the back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge market. It's actually a periodicals market, believe it or not. Oh, I know. The bookstore I work in gets Harlequin romances every mm-hmm. month that actually has the month on the spine like oh, a yeah. magazine. Yeah, absolutely. It's a weird market for books. The same author will write under different pseudonyms because each pseudonym is tied to a particular style of romance novels and a particular level of explicitness. And so it's just like, oh, if I'm looking for this, I want this author. And if I'm looking for something else, I want this author. And next week on the book business Yeah, I know. It's a weird thing. It's not just the (laughs) book business. It's in any media, really. The majority of fanfics out there have a sexual or at least a romantic connotation to them. Be it explicit or non-explicit. And the romance is usually, in this day and age, not within the context of marital relationship or sometimes not even in the context of a committed relationship on the way to marriage which sadly is if you think about it everything that's happened in any romance in hollywood almost ever yeah romance is one of the biggest plots or it's the biggest subplot because it's in every story i will absolutely agree that it is the number one subplot no question. And sometimes it's even the plot of movies. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what romance and romantic yeah. comedies and all that, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know who wrote it, but in our list of fiction that illustrates problems of lust and things like that, one of you just wrote movies. I can't argue with it. It's absolutely yeah. true. I'm fairly certain that was Peter because we were listing off Fatal Attraction, uh-huh. Basic Instinct. Some of the other notorious ones. And 
Actually, that was you, Brandon. I was trying to come up with specific movies that I knew of that had that theme. And then you just put in movies. And then underneath that, we have so many <laughs> Hollywood yeah. movies. <laughs> then that might have been Grant, because I was the one who added even more TV shows. Yeah. Every romance you see in a movie, they have a scene where they wake up with the famous L-shaped sheets that covers up to the neck on the woman, just below the belly button on the man. That's right. It's like, look, they're naked, we promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point, it almost doesn't even register, which is part of the problem. This isn't the Christian traditional yeah. idea of a relationship. So if you're going to no. talk about lust, if talk about the fact that it is so pervasive in our culture, then that is going to get into sort of a problem that we're going to have later in games. Yeah, it will. <laughs> And the that. thing is, it's not just a modern problem in some ways. If you go all the way back to the Arthurian legends, Arthur was conceived out of wedlock by Uther and Ygraine with Merlin's connivance. Arthur's ultimate doom comes because he lusted after and slept with a cousin or sister or something like that, Morgaus, who ends up bearing his son Mordred, who eventually kills him. And, of course, his wife, Guinevere, is sleeping with his best friend and right-hand man, Lancelot. And everybody knows it except Arthur, yeah. apparently. And the Guinevere Lancelot has nearly as much to do with his downfall as Mordred. Oh, sure. More recently, the Game of Thrones. Yeah, which, which I haven't seen. Nor have so I. So I don't want to speak to it too much, but let me put it this way. I remember John Grana from Fear the Boot describing the first book of Game of Thrones as a song of rape and nipples. And that about sums it up. Someone said that missionary position was so rare in it that when it happened, it was a plot device. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry that I've missed this yeah, series. I know. <laughs> eh, not my thing. Let's put it that way. From what I understand, the rest of it is torture and food. So. <laughs> yes. There's, there's And the promise that there will be dragons. George R. R. Martin spends so much time on food and vividly describing people eating, which is just unpleasant. I don't like hearing me eat i don't need to hear other people eat in words no thank you <laughs> yeah go back to our gluttony episode for some of the reasons why on that that one famous scene from the lord of the rings movies Ugh. yeah well creepiest eating ever yes the arthurian <laughs> legends huge problem innumerable greek legends i mean birth of hercules for example pretty or... much any greek legend with characters of both sexes in them and not even that it's just nuts it might be easier to list greek legends that don't involve extramarital sex ivanhoe which is one of my favorite novels honestly i think i own like three copies of it one of the main plot drivers is lust not even adultery just lust where you have these two knights who have kidnapped women and everyone else is trying to get them back. It's a wonderful book, but that's one of the main plot drivers. It's, it's a very common thing in, in fiction, and that's important when we talk about role-playing games because those role-playing games that we create, those stories that we create, are influenced by the fiction we have consumed throughout our lives and that we kind of hold in yeah. common. Oh, we are all the stories that we have grown up with. Exactly. When I'm dealing with a player who's like, oh, yeah, my character, yeah, he, you know, he, he sleeps around, he winches, you know, he, he's always after the barmaid, that sort of thing. And everybody's sort of like, uh -huh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a perfectly normal thing for characters to do. Well, where does that come from, right? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to some of the old examples, and it, you see it in a lot of modern stuff, too. So, Well, in Star Trek, Kirk slept with 
every alien possible as long as they were female. Yeah. It was just a thing that men did. Right. Well, it tends to get the Winchester brothers in trouble in Supernatural. As you mentioned here, Peter, sadly, Zoe and Wash are one of the only recent generally affectionate married couples that you've seen on TV. And the show is canceled. Not that I'm bitter. And the show is canceled. And the other, like, two romances in the show, which between Kaylee and Simon and Mal and Nora were very piney things. Yeah. The only other episode that actually really dealt with lust was Our Mrs. Reynolds, in which we have a character very clearly mentioning that if that he touches that girl, he'll go to the special hell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really a shame that you never got into this show, Grant. Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> oh, no. You would have liked the scene that Brandon is referencing. <laughs> the references are second only to The Princess Bride. I have, I have better things to do with my time, like things, other things, anything, <laughs> anything at all, really. We love Grant, but he's not into TV. <laughs> yes. As my wife is fond of saying, you're a terrible person because you hate terrible things. So, you know, <laughs> that's not it. It's not at all. Right. Yeah. Is it? Terrible person because you just don't like good things. That's what it is. So we've kind of mentioned already that there are a lot of classic stories that use lust and all of the harms that come out of lust as plot. And we've sort of mentioned about how it's pervasive in our modern day culture and not to mention all the little jabs we took at music here, yes well we which, haven't actually you know, mentioned those and it's probably not even worth going into just music and we're pretty much done there are whole genres of music that don't have anything wholesome to say about the subject let's yeah. just put it that way uh, there's that and the ones that do are hardly innocent as far as in-game uses drawing from those stories i think is a good way to create situations that your character's need to deal with one way or another especially if you're running a somewhat stealthy shadow run style thing a spying game magnum pi style investigation of someone who might be cheating things like that i'm not sure i'd really want to use that in an actual game frankly I th- that could get a little voyeuristic well it could i think it would work well as a way to reveal something else Oh, hey. It would be a good motivation for something else. As we mentioned with the murder, you're investigating someone's murder. And so you can always throw in lust and infidelity for uh, one of the causes right. as to why this man yeah. was murdered. Or, hmm, this person is sneaking off late at night. Where are they going? What are they doing? Hey, follow them. Oh, hey, they're actually doing something else. Better or worse, you know, yeah. whatever your plot calls for. We've just discovered a superhero. Back away slowly. Yeah, could be that. Could be, oh, nope, that's not cheating. That's treason. <laughs> yeah, or that's not cheating. That's summoning the elder ones. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Yeah, one or the other. Whatever suits your it is, game and plot. It is a good initial hook. I think my husband's cheating on me. He goes out late at night and he comes back with red eyes and these red marks on his collar. Mm-hmm. And You know, now that I think about it, I actually used this in a game. I used it as a hook where a guy was not coming home, you know, wasn't really working, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the players, if I remember correctly, thought that it was, oh, hey, this guy's cheating on his wife and having an affair. And they were investigating some other stuff that may or may not have been related. And this sort of clued them in on a direction to go. And it turns out he was essentially going to an opium den some fantasy drug that I had invented for this Eberron game. But that was 
you know, the investigation of, oh, hey, you know, I think he's cheating, got them kind of moving in that direction to find something else. I can imagine this being used in like Call of Cthulhu game or something. You're playing a private investigator character and you get sent out to check on something like that. And you come back and it's like, well, I have good news and I have really terrible, (laughs) mind-searing bad news. Right. The good news is is your spouse is completely (laughs) faithful to you. Don't even ask what the bad news is. The bad news is your spouse has been replaced by a lifelike simacrylum. Yeah. Yeah. You can also use it in fantasy you've got the stereotypical seductive monsters like sirens and succubi who are always horrible which can be really nasty (laughs) yeah i think vampires also qualify there's that sexual element to vampires ever since Anne rice depends on which specific variety you're using if you're using the old school like nosferatu bucktoothed plague vampire not so much no, but even Dracula. If you're using anything post Anne Rice, eh. no, 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 no. Even Dracula, there's a very sensual element to the Count in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, yeah. You know, did Anne yeah, Rice play it up? Sure. Did she popularize? You know, those vampire sex symbol, etc. Yes, but it's older than that. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have Vampire the Masquerade without Anne. No. Rice, so, likewise, there's lots of love spells and love potions in a lot of fantasy which by the way is fantasy date rape drugs really yeah it really is they're lust potions at best Well, because it has been a standard in fantasy that true love is the most powerful force of all and so that you can't like make fake love right because if you have fake love it's lust or at best, it's friendship. Right. I mean, it goes back to Shakespeare. I mean, how many love potions did Shakespeare's plays have? It's a very common trope, and it's, you know, hey, make this person whom I desire return my interest without any work on my part or any worries about compatibility or, you know, any thoughts of marriage. It's, I'm going to give her this, and hey, there we go. I think it was even in a Twilight Zone episode. Devil sells him a love potion and something i don't remember the episode so I don't <laughs> and it's a twilight zone episode so something goes horribly wrong yeah. it's a twilight zone episode it's all horribly wrong and yeah it's bad because horribly wrong in the best way possible because twilight zone was pretty it, awesome. yes it was it was a good episode i just don't remember it okay so what we've established is that grant doesn't like new tv actually i don't watch oh, twilight oh, zone oh, either i'm darn it for my wife <laughs> okay He's shockingly consistent that I way i don't mind twilight zone it's just like firefly just doesn't interest me like i'm not averse to it i just doesn't hold my attention dealing with the results of lust and adultery can often make for interesting plot hooks and plot developments and even the sources of plots how many times have you know illegitimate children been a problem in succession or i can think of at least one video game example where an illegitimate kid was basically the savior of the world what video game Dragon Age Origins, Alistair. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was an interesting character, too, because he didn't want any of the stuff that came with being part of that line of succession, mm-hmm. but he was probably the person best suited to have it, in part because of his kind of dark background. Sure. He had a lousy background, and he was a very non-lousy person. Yeah, I liked him. He was a good character in a lot of different ways. He was just a really interesting character. I will say, too, even to step outside of fiction for a moment i mean look at all the problems inheritance and legitimacy that henry the eighth had you get this tangled line of succession and all right who takes the throne when and so on and so forth who he was remarrying was all about lust but you know the desire to have 
a male heir drove a lot of that. So illegitimate children of player characters that have to be cared for. We're talking about, you know, oh, you know, it's perfectly okay for this character to go off winching. And oh, ho, ho, look at him. He's seducing the barmaid. or I seduce the priestess. Yes. Something like that. Anytime that happens, well. And a year of game time later. A year later, you come back in town. It's like, oh. Hmm. Now what? Could be interesting. As far as characterization goes, I think lust is one of the quickest ways we have to quickly indicate character for characters. Mm-hmm. One, one of the quickest. Maybe not the quickest. Yeah, I think wrath is probably the quickest. Well, wrath and greed. Yeah, greed is up there. Gluttony's up there, too. Pride is up there, too. Uh, pride can be a really subtle thing, too. Yeah, pride can be really insidious. And, and lust can, too, but Pride it's... can be really subtle, but pride can also be really, really overt. Oh, sure. Sure. What I'm saying is, you can certainly use lust to very quickly say, this guy, kind of sleazy. Or really sleazy, you know? He's a slime ball. <laughs> I'm reminded of a, an episode of Leverage in which they're trying to rob this corrupt mm-hmm. judge of his money. And he walks into the bank to get the money. He goes to one of the guys and he's like, all right, so I'll have all this money transferred and that bank teller's phone number. And the bank teller goes, oh, uh, sir, she's, she's 16. And he goes... Well, that's a shame. She have a younger sister. Ugh. Yeah. And instantly you're just like, oh, you're not good. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that winds up in a hostage situation, right? Yep. Special. Yeah. So it's an easy, quick way to say this person, bad, bad guy. Well, most of these vices are that. Many are, but I'm saying it's a very visceral one, you know, it cuts through the player character, gets right to the player. Yeah, it'll creep you right the heck out if it's done oh, properly. Yeah. I mean, Judge Frollo in Disney's Hunchback was pretty creepy this way. There's nothing like the scene that Brandon described to be like, oh, we're taking this creep down. And to be fair, the Hogmiser guy, when I introduced him, he was in a bath with a couple scantily clad women. They instantly hated him for that fact alone. Yeah, this was in your Y2112 game, kind of one of your big bads as it were conversely i think it's a quick way to basically set up somebody who seems like a terrible person or seems to be of a low moral character and really isn't you know maybe they have an unfair reputation as this you always have the classic trope of the prostitute with a heart of gold or the somewhat philandering character who is otherwise a good person oscar schindler would qualify yeah exactly there's some spectrum i suppose between you know hey this is an unfair accusation and this is a genuine flaw but it's not a defining flaw to oh it's a overweening problem in this person's life well There's actually a person like that in the Bible. The woman who they throw in front of Jesus to say that she's an adulteress. And when he starts writing in the sand, and let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. Right. And in that case, it's a woman who was, in fact, caught in adultery. In that case, go and sin no more. More, yes. It's forgiveness of that. But at the same time, acknowledging this is a problem. Stop. Forgiveness is not ignoring a problem. No, in fact, it's acknowledging it and releasing the person from punishment for it right i mean we did a whole episode on forgiveness some time back yeah it does come up especially in cases like this and adultery and other charges like that in particular it's a quick way to tar people unfairly especially women unfortunately especially in as peter pointed out here very zealous or fundamentalist communities tend to have 
that the Puritans are a convenient example here. Yeah. And Brandon, as you kind of mentioned earlier, a lot of times this idea of lustfulness is somehow a joke for a character. Yeah. It's, oh, ha ha ha, isn't that funny? Look at this little weird quirk he's got of sleeping with everything. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, in reality, it's usually not real funny. It's usually at least a little bit uncomfortable and a lot of the time out and out creepy and a little disturbing. And very harmful. Well, they have a term called the walk of shame. Yeah. After one night stands. Even in our current society, people admit that there's a little bit of shame to the whole, okay, I just slept with someone, so all right, let's let's go out. To hear. And yeah, there's people who brag about conquests, and yeah, there's a double standard where a man who is philanderer is a player, or a woman who is philanderer is prostitute, all these other really nasty words. And it's something that exists in the world, while at games, it's usually a joke. Yeah. And if it's not a joke, it's how romance is being carried out. Right. Because, or I meet this woman, and we share a night of passion, and then I leave, and that scene is a good thing. Yeah. Which is very strange, and certainly not in any way Christian. No. And in the next episode of this, I think we're going to probably talk more about that and how to turn that into a more Christian scene, but it's a problem. Let's be honest, Grant. The next episode is going to be Grant and Peter extol the virtues of happy well, marriage for an hour. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Did we already do that one? <laughs> like, I just got done. Not enough. Not enough, apparently. <laughs> oh. Sorry, you're going to have to sit through it again. Oh. Listen, we oh. were restrained in that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Moo-hoo-ha-ha, ha, Brandon. Yeah. Mm. We're hoping that you get there someday. This is not a gloating, look what we have and you'll never have. It's like, look what we have. We really hope you get to have yeah. this someday. I hope I have it too. I might have, there's someone I'm interested in. But, well, there you, you go. Know. And they're interested yeah. in me, but things. But things in awkwardness, yes. Things in awkwardness <laughs> yeah. in Florida. Like, Well, okay, listen. <laughs> Florida. Florida, isn't Florida the state of things in awkwardness? Listen, Florida has its own tag on FARC.com, all right? That's all I'm saying. Listen, that's where my family's from. That should be a red flag, okay? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, normally here we talk about out-of-game problems, but we kind of need to hit a weird halfway point here because this is the one place where... I've seen, and I, uh, Brandon as well, I know, has seen what we kind of might call meta problems where people are using the game that we're playing, a role-playing game, to do unpleasant things and cause problems out of game. Either there's something going on out of game that will affect in-game, or there's something going on in-game that is actually targeted out of game. Yeah. And I think this may actually wind up being a subcategory that we go back to with some of the other entries in this series, too, because I think some of the ones that we have left, like Pride and Envy, yeah. are going to go here, too. Probably. And we may have hit on some similar topics previously, but I've seen it very clearly as it relates to lust. I've played in games where sexual harassment happened through the characters in the game. Someone was smart enough not to make it an out-of-game thing, but in-game, oh, well, that was fair game. Oh, it's just what my character would do. Oh, yeah. A guy likes a girl. And so all of a sudden, that character is constantly hitting on the other player, which we got back into in handling romance. I'm not saying that every in-game romance has to have 
out of game romantic right. potential as i mentioned i could romance with peter no you really couldn't i'm not that good of a role player sorry i could romance it <laughs> a better example actors do not need to be in love with each other oh yeah right? and in fact it's probably better if they're not in most cases yeah probably true it's probably generally a little healthier and a little saner unless you're talking about marketing in which case it's always better if they're seen dating or something oh like sure that. oh you know this upcoming film yada 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 yeah but you know for a role-playing game same thing. And this person doesn't want anything to do with this other person, but, well, I'm the GM, so everyone's going to hit on yeah. me. Or are my characters constantly going to flirt with yours yeah. and do this because it makes you uncomfortable? And I'm getting some sick joy out of watching you score. Right. And I've seen it be a lot more than just flirting. It's some fairly creepy stuff. To the point where I don't want to go into it on this show. Yeah, I've heard of people being invited out of gaming groups for that sort of conduct. Yeah. yeah. If the people in the story had been different, that person might have been invited into the backyard for a thrashing instead of just told to leave and not come back. Yeah, things like that. And it does kind of go the other way a lot of times if there's unfairness in the game that's caused by attraction. Well, I like this girl. And I want to date her, so she gets the Vorpal Sword. Right. She gets this, and everything she does is just so amazing. And it never gets to the creepy level of harassment. But she always wins. Yeah, she always wins. Yeah. And, you know, maybe she likes it. Maybe she's fine with it. Yeah. Wasn't there somebody the Unkillable referenced in either Fear the Boot or Happy Jacks, where somebody was like the GM's girlfriend, or he was trying to date her, so... Her character was like this invincible demigod. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm running a game right now with Peter and my wife and a friend of ours. And I've had to be really careful not to let that favoritism slip in. And I'm afraid I've still done it every now Although and again. The funny thing is, is your other two players would be fine with a little favoritism <laughs> slipping in because then we could have your wife do even more crazy and reckless things than she already does in game. <laughs> well, yes, uh, this is a game where you're constantly throwing her out of moving vehicles at people and expecting her to win. <laughs> Has she lost yet? Well, no. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not an earned reputation for, all right, we're just going to throw you out of this van at 40 miles an hour. Take down the rhino. It's even been proven to be not not a bad idea. And actually, we don't usually throw her out of the van. We usually drop her off of one of the flying drones on someone. But That's true. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing when it happens. But it's a situation that I've had to be really careful of, even despite the fact that this is my wife we're talking about and not someone I'm secretly or not so secretly lusting after. And like the other one that you have mentioned here is sexually explicit, suggestive, or provocative content in-game that's designed to make people uncomfortable or just there because it's what the person enjoys right and i had this happen in a game i ran yeah. in college where i think i mentioned it in the worst characters ever where i had a guy who wanted to play a fox after a whole bunch of arguing he played a shugenja and his entire character write-up was that he likes fat women and making women fat and that's the only thing he put in his background. Yeah. And so instantly, I'm creeped out because, okay, look, I don't want to play your fetish. Yeah, I hear you. I had a GM in an otherwise excellent game who occasionally fell victim to this. Not to the point where it was anywhere close to, you know, hey, we need to quit the game. But every once in a while, he'd slip up and be like, hey, something titillating, which I think is funny. Ha <laughs> ha. And we're like, no, that's just awkward and uncomfortable. Thanks. Or something that's juvenile. Yeah. This wasn't juvenile necessarily. It was just like, you know, we're not in this for sex jokes. 
in some ways the game was more mature than he than was. He was. <laughs> yeah, and which is funny because otherwise he's a very mature guy and I really like him. Really look up to him as a GM, but every once in a while this would just slip in. You know, it's just a bad habit of his. It was nowhere near the point where we were like, run for uh, the hills. Maybe we should stop the game. Yeah, but it was just like every dozen sessions or so. Well, that was awkward. That gets us into the strictly out of game problems. I'm going to limit this to the gaming group because the gaming group is a microcosm of most of our relationships in life. There are so many problems that lust causes. So very many. Strained and broken relationships, social awkwardness, weird sexual humor that just makes people uncomfortable, a tendency, like we mentioned before, to use people, to think of people only in terms of sex and sexuality rather than brothers and sisters in Christ, rather than people addictions <laughs> guy who's got nothing but frazetta posters on his wall the classic 80s mostly naked barbarian woman bikini art mail. yes the chain mail bikini it's just so many the problems acknowledgement that they're there right the, the thing yeah. is usually if you're getting into those problems you're not respecting lines and veils yeah within the game certainly out of game it's awkward and uncomfortable i have a player who is joining one of my games mm -hmm. who I am a little concerned with because of the kind of jokes that they were telling mm -hmm. in the all male section where we were generating characters. Right. I'm hoping that everything uh, goes yeah, well. You can always hope that. It's a good case where you may want to say, like, listen, these are kind of the ground rules for the game. Yeah. The person has already said that it won't be a problem because I had to bring it up and be like, this could be a problem. I have it won't be a problem. And I'm really hoping it isn't. Because if it is, then sad I have to say is that I have to put the interest and the care of any of the players who've been there for months now right. over this new player. Right. And you have a little leeway because it is someone who's joining an existing group. You could say, listen, these are the ground rules for the group, not, all right, you know, what is the collective lines and veils that we need to come up with now? I feel like in some ways we're sort of stating the obvious, but it is something we needed to cover. This is probably a good place to wrap it up. Anybody have... Anything else? I think I'm good here. I do have one final comment. Okay. There are two main categories in which lusts are going to cause problems. It's going to be in the crossing of the lines and veils, because most games, sex and sexuality is not explicitly covered, because it is a very private thing. Right. And it's not something that most people want to do in a setting that is public. They want to do it in private. Right. However, it becomes a subtle sin of, I seduce the priestess. Flirt with the wench, and then we're going to go upstairs, give her a few coppers for a go. Ha right. ha ha, it's fun. Going back to what we said in the 8-bit theater thing. Are there any girls there because I want to do them? Right. And that is a subtle lust sin there, which is predicated almost by our entire society, as we mentioned. Yeah. So it's something you have to look out for because it can be there without you even seeing it as a problem yeah no i i think that's a valid point well no argument for me on that on that note we should wrap this up i think thank you for listening appreciate your time as always if you have any questions comments etc leave them on the episode itself on savingthegamepodcast.org or in our google plus community which you can get to from our website as well we've got an episode discussion every week when we post the episode We'll see you next time for Grant and Peter going, oh my goodness, marriage is awesome. Yes. Yes, indeed. And Brandon slowly, slowly asphyxiating himself. <laughs> Something like that, yes. All right. Thanks very much. 
Have a good one. Good night, everybody. See ya. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.